Welcome to the next edition of Simon and Whiten. I'm Christian Whiten. We're here to talk about uh, business, stocks, media, and politics. I'm joined as always by co-host Mark Simon, who's coming from Taipei. Mark, say hello. Hi, everybody. Well, it's raining in Taipei. Surprise. <laughs> All right. Well, that actually sounds kind of nice because it was snowing here earlier today. Oh, wow. All right. Big news in the media, Mark. Uh, Donald Trump finally making his media move. It wasn't clear if he actually he was going to do this. You know, he was sort of seemed to be getting in his groove of replacing Twitter with just an email list and sending out missives, sending out endorsements and deprecations and things like that. Um, so a SPAC, a special purpose acquisition company, so an, a, a public company, a shell of one designed to make acquisitions, made one. It's called Digital World Acquisition Corp. We'll call it DWAC. Uh, bought something that Trump has created, uh, Trump Media and Technology Group, um, and uh, they're going to make magic. They're going to do uh, conservative social media, supposedly conservative on-demand video. Uh, and not a lot of details, as you'd expect, with something coming from the president, former president. Um, you know, I love Donald Trump. I, 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 I find him hard not to watch. I uh, thought there were many good things about his presidency. Of course, personnel implementation policy was a complete disaster, yes. but there are still many things good. Anyway, so um, this uh, SPAC is putting in $293 million. That's the most it can possibly put in because that's the most it has under its uh, roof, if you will. Some of that yeah. may be actually be pulled away of people who don't want to invest in Trump. But anyway, this thing went kind of viral. Maybe we'll talk about the equity part in a second. Let's talk about just the concept part now, um, you know, Donald Trump had a great run with The Apprentice. I didn't watch it, but uh, a lot of people loved it. Um, on the other hand, that was produced and distributed by NBC. And I don't know, maybe you could say you could put a rhesus monkey behind a camera and they would do pretty well with that kind of firepower behind you. Uh, can Trump pull this off? Do you think there's the making of a media empire here? No, I don't think there is. I, I think the, the, the funniest thing that Right away, what did they find? Right away, they found that the CEO or the the one of the senior guys in this had a Chinese, basically shell company sitting around, um, you know, from China, which is not a good look. Look, the main thing that you you really hit the nail on the head with Trump. The issue with Trump is always in the details. He doesn't look, and he's not concerned. And the fact is, you got to operate a business. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the one thing about the guy is it was really odd. He's incredibly detailed in his entire career in, in real estate. One of the things I've talked to people who've worked with him, they said, this is a guy who literally knew the price of the toilets going into his apartments, you know, his flats that he was building. He, he's, he's, he's a good developer. I mean, he's not a bad developer. I think the mistake that his critics make is they sit back all day long and think he's a boob, and then they wonder why they're getting beat by him. It's my belief with this guy that he is continually... Uh, he is continually always looking for new ways to get his brand out there. I do not see any chance whatsoever. I see no chance whatsoever that he is going to be successful with this in any way, shape or form. I think the problem is he really doesn't understand media. I mean, his idea, you know, you talk to some of the Fox people, I think we both know, and they will tell you how he would be upset when the reporter had to ask a question that actually, you know, had to be asked. In other words, if, if the interview was going to be credible or something like that. I mean, he even complained about Sean Hannity one time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this is not a guy who really has the the, the mentality to run a media company. Because in a media company, you got to let some things slide. 
And I think this, the, his company is going to be basically Do- Donald Trump day one, Donald Trump day two, you know, uh, Donald Trump day three, everything Donald Trump. Um, I think he'll have a small cohort. I would be very, very much surprised. You yourself actually said this could be a Glenn Beck type, op- type operation, you know, just the cult of the man. Yeah, sure. If somebody told me that Trump's going to have five, six million subscribers paying five bucks a month. Yeah, I'll believe he can do this. I, I, I believe he'll get that. The question, will is really make any money or will everybody who's around him suck the life out of it? So I, I think I think that's it. I think if anybody's looking at this, as far as the stock going, let's face it, it's GameStop or you know the theater. Yeah, group. It's, let, it's, let me throw out some uh, let me throw out some numbers on that one. So again, this is a company with two hundred ninety three million in it to make acquisitions. The Trump press release, of course, going to have a little puffery because it's it's Trump said that his company was valued at eight hundred seventy five million with an earnout that could double that, which is not in my notion. Uh, of how an earnout works. Grant, it's been a while since I worked at M&A, but I did. Um, anyway, uh, this company, so the this, this stock uh, just, just, you know, went up and up and up and up from 10. At one point, it was 150, uh, settled at 94, closed the business on Friday. After hours, it's now down to 80. 80 still gets you a market cap of $2.6 billion. Um, and do we think sort of, I mean, if you look at valuations in this, um, in this industry, News Corp is trading now at 14 uh, billion market cap on 9 billion in revenue. So, you know, if you're at 2.6 billion in market cap, you should probably do $2 billion in revenue. Is Donald Trump going to do that on subscription? You know, as you point out, this guy is 70, I mean, I love him, but 76 year old former president, is he going to roll up his sleeves, be sitting on desks at two in the morning, going through rehearsals, talking about camera angles, getting in the weeds, because it's not just TV that conservatism needs and culture. We need people um, who are screenwriters. We need people doing, you know, directors, producers, things like that. Uh, Chris, yeah. Kristen, I, I wait for the New York Times, the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal are desperately racing through statements right now to see that Donald Trump probably put in $50 million into this thing and is probably already taking out $150 million. In other words, and then Trump will just brag, hey, folks, I made three times. I'm a, I'm a, you got to go with a winner, folks. I'm a winner. You know, I can hear it right now. Look, if you want to buy media stocks, I think, quite frankly, it's a very dangerous place to be. You know what I'm saying? But, but here's the whole thing I would say. I would say what it shows that Trump is going into this is it's just not the cult of personality. But, you know, we do have conservative group things that our personality tells us. We have, you know, BenShapiro.com. You know, basically, Ben Shapiro is, is a cult. I mean, he really is. I mean, it really is. Everybody listens to me. You know, the people listen to Ben. Then you've got, you know, Joe Rogan is not really conservative, but, you know, he's got his following. It's a little media company there. Whether it can do TV or not, that's it. Now, Shapiro's trying to do it all. Glenn Beck's trying to do it all. You know what I'm saying? I, I think the fact of the matter is, I think I've always believed, unfortunately, for the last eight or nine years, that people are going to be going down rabbit holes. In other words, there's the people that watch MSNBC. You know, really, we've, we've got like different versions of North Korean television going on. We've got the people, <laughs> every time they turn it on, it's on Fox. Every time they turn it on, it's on MSNBC. Every time they turn it on, it's on NPR. And then you've got the group that likes BBC. CNN are the guys who are sitting out there with nothing going on, basically <laughs> exercising an ego. And that's the one parallel I wanted to make. 
Mm-hmm. Look, the fact of the matter is, is like, you know, everybody, I mean, I think Fox has their plan. MSNBC has their plan. I think the thing is, in other words, we're going to be conservative. We're going to be liberal. Um, I think Beck and, and Shapiro try to be alternatives. I really think Trump is a lot like CNN. CNN is nothing more, really, when you actually talk to some people in the organization, is nothing more than really Zucker's ego. It's the reason why they they just get on there and they push. The, they, he allows the craziness that goes on. He doesn't care about shareholders anymore. And this is the point that I'm going to make about Trump. I wouldn't invest in Trump stuff because Trump doesn't believe in shareholders. He doesn't. He's never really run public companies before. He's not. I don't think he's capable of doing it. You know, he's going to fly his jet. Why does Donald Trump need a big jet named Trump? He doesn't need it, but it's part of his brand and all these things. And people say, well, that that's value. Trump is a real estate developer. He is a very successful real estate developer. I think people who 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 hit him on that are ridiculous. They don't know what they're talking about. And but as a media company, I would stay so far away from it. You, you couldn't keep my eyes on. And I generally hate SPACs as a rule. I don't like them. Yep. I, I, I don't like them a bit. I, I do not like this whole idea. Give us your money and we'll do something. Basically, it's like here. I swear to God, it's just like some guy at the track goes, I got a hot one on number seven. Bet on number seven. That's all. That's, <laughs> that's all a, a SPAC name. is. And that's, that's where right. that's where like that's where like you know I I I like guys like Jamie Dimon and Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett when they criticize this stuff because basically it is a gamble. And you know I have friends who go, oh, I, I was going to buy some Trump stuff and I was going to do this. And I'm going like, yeah, and do what? You know, it's like I mean my my nephew was playing GameStop. Why do I want to go? My nephew basically betting five hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? Back and forth, and then that's it. You know. Right. Well, it's uh, it's um, and it probably is. I mean, there was speculation that a lot of the meme investors did take over, especially when the stock was propelled up to 150. And I think people do sense there's still an unmet need for conservative content. The thing is, we have news covered pretty well. I mean, there's Fox News, there's Newsmax, there's OAN. We could all complain or, or like various parts of those. Um, the Blaze, Glenn Bexing, I think that's very niche and I haven't heard anything about that in years. Uh, was on it a fair amount when it first launched. Um, you know, what we need, frankly, is, is probably less in the news and commentary part and more on the culture sort of movies, drama, screenplays, writing, um, you know, the things that, uh, as Breitbart famously said, supposedly that uh, politics is downstream from culture. Um, something to compete. And anyway, that's just that's just not what this is. Um, so I think you're right to be very skeptical. Skeptical about SPACs too. I mean, it's a way of ending up as a public company without going through the rigorous IPO process. I, I um, mean, look, it's, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm in Taipei. You know, one of the things is the Taiwan stock market, this and that and everything else. Yeah, if you come to Taiwan and you invest in TMSC, if you invest in the banks, the banks here are very, very solid if you believe in their story. But they have very good regulation because they got no backstop. Um, shipping companies are a good and transport. Wanhai, if you anybody want to know the name Wanhai, trades in Taiwan, excellent company. I used to work there as a disclosure years and years ago. But it's run by a very solid family, good business. Real businesses, TMSC, all the, all the, mic, all the tech companies here, they do something. But there's this other two-thirds of the Taiwan stock market that's basically a gambling den. And, and Americans don't have this understanding that basically that's what we've done with SPACs. 
SPACs are just nothing more than a gambling den. I mean, when The Rock Johnson is going to do a, a, a what does he know about this stuff? You know, I mean, you'd, it's like walking into a room like, hey, I'd like to put my life savings because I think The Rock or whatever is going to do something. These guys, I mean, and, and, and the, the, the thing is, is what you see, this, you see people who are very capable people. I mean, if we saw if, the SPACs, I hate to say it, it's always every time I watch Fox Business or I watch CNBC and I see the SPAC guys, you know what I'm saying? All I'm thinking to myself is I want to see the criminal record. You know, that's all I think. That's all I think. I want to see the criminal record because they're, they're all it, it just looks like uh, a, a, this ridiculous lineup of guys who are going to have a movie made after about them, you know, like the wolf on Wall Street. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. Right. Well, actually, uh, before we jump, I was going to talk um, about some ge geography and ETFs. Um, let's stick with Taiwan briefly. So Taiwan sort of <laughs> dictator, if you will, there, Anthony Fauci, the boss of the, uh, the, the CDC uh. there, uh, came out and said that, well, you know, hey, maybe by Chinese New Year, which is in, wait for it, February, four months from now, um, says, you know, we'll probably shorten the quarantine for Taiwanese residents, citizens who are coming back from traveling. I mean, that implies to me that there's going to be a quarantine that's more than de minimis. Uh, you know, three days might be, okay, you can roll in on a Friday and then be at work on a Monday. I can maybe do that. But, you know, a lot of people who are traveling for business can't knock out 10 days, like the number in Japan now, 14 days, the number in Taiwan. Um, is there any light at the end of the time? I mean, even Australia no, it's, is it's, putting it's, flights it's, back on. It's nuts here. It's just nuts. Um, you know, I went on Twitter. I was on Twitter and I was saying, look, we got to open up. And then we get the Taiwan Defense League. Um, this is an offensive term, but it's called it. We used to call it Little Brown Brother. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, we'll protect them. There's this entire group of expats here. Basically, a lot of English teachers, culturalists and things like that. Oh, they've done such a wonderful job of protecting us. Look, the virus is coming. We're an island. They've done, they just cut everything off. You know, it was like Japan in the 1880s or the 1870s where they cut sailors' heads off. I mean, it's, it's reached that point now. And it's like, oh, you know, we want this and we want that. Look, the fact of the matter is we have an incredible industry here of high tech and technology. And you can't cut customers here. I, I have friends. I smoke cigars with them. I know them. They work, they're senior guys in the big chip companies and tech companies, and they say it's a problem. They say it's a big problem. Yeah. Okay. When they say it's a problem, and they're 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 I, I know they're patriotic Taiwanese guys. It's a problem. I had to go sit in a crappy hotel for fourteen days. I don't know how somebody. Else, I lost fourteen days of productivity, fourteen days of seeing people, fourteen days of doing things. Fourteen. You don't. You're not productive. Oh, you can be on Zoom. It's a waste of time. It's a miserable experience. You know, and the but the point is, is if you want to be Taiwan wants to put part of the world, Taiwan's entire rationale for existence is we have to be part of the bigger world. And yet we have the dentist at the CDC, OK, making all these pronouncements, making all these decisions. And we forget it was this guy that basically did not get the vaccines that Taiwan needed. Right. One of the things one of the things is. Every time you hit them on that, they go quiet. You know why everybody goes quiet? Because they all know. We know, and I know personally what happened on Capitol Hill and happened in the States and with the Germans. Taiwan was supposed to be serviced by a company out of China. 
with the order for Pfizer. They got involved in this political dispute. They brought politics into the buy because they didn't want to get anything from China. The Germans then said, okay, and Pfizer said, we'll work around you with it. Taiwan dropped the ball. Why do we know this? Because Taiwan initially did some complaining. And of course, there's a very strong Taiwan lobby in the U.S. And all the congressmen and all the senators were like, hey, we're going to hammer you. Well, guess what? Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, they have lobbyists. The Germans have diplomats. They went up there and explained what happened. Taiwan was trying to develop its own vaccine. Okay, they dropped the ball. They dropped the ball. All right. In this one, in this one time, they, they, they dropped the ball. Now, right. should Pfizer have run this stuff through China? The answer is no. They shouldn't have done it. It made it difficult. But should Taiwan have taken care of business? The answer is yes. Now, they're going to be full by, by Christmas. They should have at least 64 based on the trajectory and what they're doing, that what they're doing. They should have at least 64, 65 percent vaccinated. Why aren't you opening up? You know what the next thing is going to be? Everybody has to have a booster. Yeah. This yeah. this is a, this this is a, we have an economy and a country being run by fear. By a former dentist. Yeah. No. And it's as you point out, it's it's critical. Uh, I mean, so during the pandemic and we're all in on this and we know what's going on, but you're working off of relationships and business ideas and models that you developed for before. Mm -hmm. And you can try and keep that going, but it's very hard. The other thing is, I mean, thankfully, there are lots of Taiwanese Americans and they'll always have a strong uh, positive view of Taiwan, even if they're unable to visit. But we've got to uh, at least sustain and ideally increase dramatically the number of Americans who go to Taiwan, either to do business business or just for, for tourism um, and, and strengthen the cultural ties between our two countries or else you'll get people, um, you know, some uh, even conservatives. Sohrab Amari from the New York Post, he's no longer there, basically wrote an article saying, ah, Taiwan, why do we need to defend that? That's a Chinese culture. China's going to absorb it. Um, you know, hey, it's going to happen. So why should we risk World War III to defend it? I think that's the wrong way to well, look at it. But that's the problem with the Taiwanese. I always say the Taiwanese, it's, it's, it's people, I'll show my age. I remember when George Bush, W. Bush came in, he was like, Taiwan, Taiwan, Taiwan. And, and by the time he was finished with Chin Shu Bin, by the time Chin Shu Bin finished, <laughs> Bush couldn't stand him. And it's because basically this attitude comes out. And I, I'm not a big fan of, 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 of this attitude, but this attitude just comes out. Um, in the U.S. is like, my God, all they do is they just want stuff. They, we have to do everything for you. All right. We're telling you exactly what you said. They, I, somebody said to me, oh, well, Tammy Duckworth showed up. In, that, that's the congressional district. <laughs> really? You had one visit in a year? You should have. There's, there's people in the past. There was people here every week. You've got to strengthen these relationships. You've got to have media companies coming out. You've got to have people coming. You know, when, when, when all these planes were flying and everything like this, what, what article comes out? Oh, the Taiwanese are fine. Everything's fine here. Don't worry about it. Fine. If you guys aren't going to worry about it, if you guys aren't going to care about it, I am not going to put the pictures of mother's sons on their, and daughters on their mantles. You know what I'm saying? If the Taiwanese are going to be lackadaisical about this. Taiwan needs to open up. They need to be as competitive as they need to be. If Taiwan, let me give you an example. Taiwan when those Japan, when those Chinese Taiwanese planes, when those Chinese planes were flying here, Taiwan should have went out, and they should have brought in three or four thousand peace activists from Europe and the U.S. 
you know, Birkenstocks and all. I don't care who you bring in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Birkenstocks and all. And they should have had a rally in Taipei, a peace rally in Taipei. Because the only thing that's going to stop the Chinese from coming in here is essentially the idea that this will cost them for so long. Right. Because I think Xi Jinping's, I, I, I tell people all the time, I think this guy is looking, he's looking for the excuse not to do it. That's my personal belief. I think he's ramped this up so high that he's looking for the excuse not to do it. Jack Keane, who's always on Fox all the time, was out here. He has some real insights here. There's, there's ways. The, the former vice former chairman General, of the Joint Chiefs. Yeah. Former vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Jack was here. General Keane was here. This place, is, it's, it depends on the U.S. It depends on the Japanese. And it's not just, and the problem they have here is that this is a country that really is split in its wishes. In other words, uh, real estate prices in California and New York may go up again because we may get, you know, we may end up negotiating with the Chinese for basically uh, uh, if three million Taiwanese want to come live in America, we'll let them live in America. I mean, if, they, if, they, if this persistent attitude of we're going to do what we need to do, we have to protect the Taiwanese people. Yeah, I'm so, I mean, you're right. We have to protect them. But this is this whole attitude they have, this whole outlook. It's about the viewers won't know about this, but the Chinese are always banning U.S. pork because of this drug ractifimine. Americans re eat ractifimine. Europeans eat the, the pork with ract. It's a growth hormone. Yeah. Everybody, eat everybody eats it except for Taiwan because they're protecting the Taiwanese pork farmers. And that makes them like seven senators in the Midwest hate their guts. <laughs> right. OK, but that but that but they still play that. They still play that game. Anyway, I'll let All you right. go. Right. Well, one. Um, one quickie. Well, I need a reality check from you. So, yeah, we criticize Taiwan because we love um, moving farther northwest. Tell me if I'm crazy. So I look around the world. Um, and throughout Southeast Asia, I mean, the Tigers, Malaysia, Indonesia, Hong Kong, Singapore, I mean, some uh, are doing fine. But the idea that this is the fast growth uh, and, and significant gains to be made in equity markets that it was in the past, they seem these Tigers seem to be in middle age, if not farther. Maybe they'll come back. Uh, you look at other growth markets. India is, is very interesting and is liberalizing under Modi. Um, that seems to be in good shape, but it's India. I don't know. It's a complex place. Uh, Brazil, where all eyes are on whether or not Bolsonaro gets reelected next year and talk about whiplash. It's not just sort of a couple of degrees to the left or the couple of degrees to the right. He would re be replaced by someone who's previously been president, a real left winger. Um, so when I look at emerging markets, actually, I settle on Russia. Um, if you look at Russia, uh, the price of energy is, is probably going up long term, and that benefits Russia. The price of oil is taking a little bit of pause after hitting 80 bucks, 85 bucks a barrel, came back down. I think if we get a, a slow GDP number next week, uh, the third quarter, the first estimate comes out on Thursday, that might cause a, a pullback. But long term, because the West has just committed suicide with its energy business. I mean, in a short amount of time, Biden has really put the kibosh on exploration uh, and production in the United States. Uh, the majors, you know, Shell was basically ordered by a Dutch court to commit suicide. Exxon has these new activists on its board uh, that are telling it, oh, we can't we can't do that project in Vietnam because it may, you know, have too much carbon emissions. How are we going to meet our carbon emissions uh, goals, which you know they should realize? Kristen, by, by, let me tell you something. Buy Russia. Mm -hmm. if you could, I don't know if I'd buy individual firms. I'd, I'd maybe trust an ETF or something like that. Right. I, I'd buy Russia. 
Um, I would buy any company in Europe, not American companies, but I'd buy any company in Europe that has an ability to sell and do significant business into Russia. That would be some of the that's be some of the Danish or, or and Norwegian and German mining and mining supply companies. But that's hard. That's hard for people to find. But if you can yeah, find some, there, ETF, if you yeah. can find if you can find some ETFs, then you're okay. I think also if you can find some oil companies that are happy being oil companies, yeah. I think you'll be okay. I mean, look, one of the things the reason why Russia is a pretty good buy is not just energy prices. Basically, it's a very big, big place. And, you know, and as somebody told me about a year ago, every mineral the Chinese have, the Russians have. It's just they haven't gone and get it yet. Magnesium, the Russians have magnesium. You know, it's the same mountain chains that's moving up there. Um, it's just the Russians have not gone out and gotten it. The other thing the Russians have and I think that that's a, a, a unique in their way, is they are pretty good administrators and managers and things like that. Corrupt as hell, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> um, but you know, that, you, that, that people can build that in there. Look, I, I, I am kind of dismayed by this. Uh, the Exxon thing, it's just amazing. I mean, you know, really, Trump is, it's, it's just this reaction in America to Trump. Like, you know, the, the climate people have now got these three guys on the Exxon board. I was reading somewhere the other day, they don't even talk with the other directors that much because everybody's getting sick of them. Um, we have Blackstone that is basically, um, BlackRock, I mean, we've got BlackRock that is bringing the downfall of America. In other words, BlackRock is gonna destroy American energy companies, okay? He's gonna put everything he can to make them uncompetitive, yet Larry Fink is gonna not say a word to the Chinese. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you, I think you could make a case that Larry Fink is the best asset the Chinese have <laughs> in America. And I, right. that, that, type of, that type of woke investment environment. And by the way, I should, I should give you credit. People should know you got to ask Mr. Putin a question the other day. <laughs> I did. It was part of the Valdai uh, conference, an annual conference in Sochi. I didn't attend in person, but I was on with video. And yeah, I got to ask a question. It was kind of cool. Um, I asked him what he thought of the possibility of Donald Trump running again in 2024 and potentially becoming president. He turned it around on me, actually, and said, what do I think? I think you already know what I think a little bit from our discussion about the media company, which is, hey, I love the guy. I served in the early part of his administration over at the State Department. But uh, I'd certainly vote for him against the Democrat. But I would prefer that other conservatives step up and that he just uh, frankly retire. And I think that, you know, if you love Trumpism and the new right that he has created, and the energy and aggressiveness that Trump, uh, you know, brought to the, the willingness to fight that he brought to the party. Uh, there are others who fit that criteria who wouldn't be a lame duck the, uh, the minute they were elected. And if you think about that, from the second Trump was not just elected president a second time, really from when he was nominated, it would just be endless intrigue, endless positioning over what comes next. It would sort of be the greatest and most pathetic lame duck uh, experience, I think. Anyway, Putin, uh, he didn't answer me, but and he joked that he couldn't answer because it would make me a foreign agent. He has you know, quite a sense of humor. Um, but uh, well, it, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is it is it is it is the one thing. I mean, I mean, I think I think people make the mistake that they think they can pick their villains. You know, that's that's they really think they that that's the mistake that they make. They think they can pick their villains. And, you know, that's a line from my dad, actually. He said, you know, look, 
you know, I don't like Putin. I think Putin's a thug. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, there's, there's not much I think good about Putin. But the fact of the matter is, is that like the world is an interconnected place now. We have, Putin doesn't have a desire to invade other than, you know, countries that are next door he wants to control. But you're dealing with this different world now. You know what I'm saying? And I think the fact of the matter is, is we're going to have to start dealing a lot more seriously and not worry about, you know, uh, just just basically we're going to have to start being more serious about what how we are. It's one of the things that's really marked America. And I, I don't know, may, maybe it's because we've just been we, 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 we have that post 1989 politics in our mind that there is no real threat to us it's a real problem i mean really by 1991 1992 you know when i left working for the federal government part of the reasons i i left was basically it's like well you know there's no reason in 1991 1990 to track soviet submarines why you know they're a bunch of junk sitting in vladivostok or petropavlos nobody cares and 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 we had the then we had the drug war and then we had this and it's 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 you know looking for seriousness to focus people. And my point is we think we can run around and pick villains and then we decided that Putin is the villain in Syria and places like we had no interest in. Right. When the fact of the matter is, I think there's a nation of 1.4 billion people that's fading fast. China's fading. A lot of people don't really get that. Their demographics are like their migration out is up they're losing people and it's it's going south and that means that they have a window to basically in their minds try to establish themselves and i think that's i think that's all part of of xi jinping's he he knows he has to be aggressive so my point is is really all right what's the threat from putin okay we know what the threat is we know he's a, he, he's an sob we know that we know what he's doing we know this all right but he has what we need in his country. He has oil, he has natural gas, a lot of it, and he has he has minerals. Okay. Right. Would we rather be depend would we rather work for him for magnesium or work with the Chinese for magnesium? You know what I'm saying? In other words, it depends who we're trading with and what we're doing. I'd prefer to work with both of them, to be honest with you. And I think the thing is, is that our policy, um, you know, I, I I'm I'll get people a little bit angry with me because. I am not the hawk on China that people would ex assume that I am. I have no desire for us to have a conflict with a nation of 1.4 billion people. Right, um, right. The biggest argument against the biggest strategic argument in America about Taiwan not being taken is I think General Jack Keane is right. I think the way they'll take this place is they'll missile the hell out of it <laughs> for about five days and they'll kill about 150,000 Taiwanese and just count on the Taiwanese surrendering. OK, and then the, then the agreement will be between the U.S. and Japan that Chinese troops will show up in 90 days. OK, and then everybody will get it. It's going to I mean, that's the fear that if China does it. But when China does that, South Korea goes nuclear, Japan goes nuclear, Indonesia, the Philippines start arming up a little bit more. And the U.S. has lost all credibility in the area. You know what I'm saying? Because then, we, you know. Then we then we haven't defended this place. So I, right. I, and if I, you think if you think the supply chain has been disrupted this year, then uh, you know just imagine oh. the Western Pacific is shut down for a couple of years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, what are the? I mean, don't don't think after they kill a hundred thousand people, you know, you're not going to have five five uh, uh, Los Angeles class submarines sitting in the Strait of Hormuz 
and sitting in the Malacca Strait deciding who gets through. And how did the Chinese come down and bust that? They're going to fight with the Singaporeans will probably be right with the Americans on that one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, talk about a world financial mess, you know, all because of it. So I think I, I, I really think when I look at when I look at uh, uh, what's happening, I mean, I know we got away from Putin here for a second, but look, I think Russia probably is a good buy. I wouldn't put my life savings on it, but you know, if you've got to spare twenty or thirty thousand or a hundred thousand that you got to spare, and you want to put it in an ETF, I would find some Russian ETFs. I think they're right. going to be doing fine. And there is one know? the ticker RSX that's pretty popular and captures all of those sort of Russian majors and in, in oil and energy, maybe a little bit of banking. You know, two other quick things about Putin. In his speech, uh, I mean, yeah, we do know his MO and he, he's actually extremely strategic in that he did take a part of Ukraine, heavily you know, majority Russian speaking on that eastern side. And he took Crimea, which really was part of Russia from the mid 19th century until an administrative sort of paperwork thing with Khrushchev, who shifted it to the Ukrainian Soviet. And then when 1991 comes along, it's like, oh, I guess we're still part of Ukraine. But this has been um, part of uh, Russia for most of modern times. Anyway. Uh, the, the idea that we would continue to push Russia into China's hands, arms, which is what we're sort of doing, um, that might be something we want to think about deviating from. The other thing that Putin said, he went long in defining uh, healthy conservatism. He criticized transgenderism and the fanaticism we see around that in the West as, as reminiscent of Bolshevism. He talked about new speak, condemned cancel culture. Maybe he's doing this opportunistically to poke his finger in our eye, but frankly, a lot of it makes sense to me. We somehow believe that a former KGB guy is like woke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somehow I don't think it's a stretch that 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 Putin is against transgenders. You know what I'm saying? Probably much more so than we would be anybody has ever really even close to comfortable with. In other words, it's not an objection. I think I, again, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, I just think, look, mm -hmm. I, I this this Putin. I mean, let's face it. We knew they knew, we knew everything about him. He has not changed one bit since when Hillary Clinton presented them with the reset button. Okay, <laughs> same guy, same thing, yep. probably actually a little bit more cautious than he was before that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not still bumping off people on the streets of London the way they used to do it. You know, maybe they still do it. Who knows? But the thing is, it's like, no, Kristen, this is this is the point. The fact of the matter is, as soon as the Democrats decide they need something from him in the U.S., all mm -hmm. of a sudden we will start seeing Putin a rogue, but a smart one, you know, I mean, from the New York <laughs> right, Times. Right. I mean, it's, it's just you rehabilitated it's just, quickly. It's just a joke. I, I, I myself, first of all, with the Chinese, I used to look at the Far East in my old many, 30, 40 years ago. They are paranoid about the Chinese. Absolutely paranoid. The only thing that keeps Chinese traders in the, the West is essentially, you know, really one thing. And out, out west, in, I'm sorry, in the east in China, in the east in uh, 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 Soviet Union, is essentially bribery. In other words, the, the the Russian officials just make so much off that Chinese trade. But the Amir River, it was maybe I don't know if it was Putin or not, but basically somebody Hugo Restall from the Far Eastern Economic Review one time was saying he was telling people like you know the Chinese could come across the river and take this part of the Soviet Union and I can't remember the guy we were at dinner with who said it he said Hugo 
Putin will turn, oh, it wasn't Putin, it was, yeah, maybe it was Putin. He said, Putin will turn the Amur River to glass with nuclear, <laughs> tactical nuclear weapons. He will nuke the shit out of the Chinese if they try to come across that river. And, it, and he'll do it on Russian soil just so they're not exchanging nukes. You know what I'm saying? With tactical nukes. The, the Russians are paranoid about, so, about Chinese you know, influence out there. The only thing they have going for them, really, is the Chinese population is now shrinking faster than the Russian population. You know, bizarrely, Russian, somebody told me the other day that Russia still has slightly positive immigration. I believe it. I believe it. You know, yeah, I, I can see people, I can see people from the, yeah, from the stands and from, from Eastern Europe. I mean, you and, know, if, uh, if you, Edward Snowden too. He's there. You know. Edward, yeah, he's there. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, look, I mean, I, I'd love to be able to pick our friends all the time. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I, I, I just, I see that as a real problem. By the way, just so on one other thing, Russia is actually a secret friend of Taiwan. And the reason is this. They don't want to see the Pacific torn apart either. You know, in other words, they, they want to ship their oil out. They want to ship their natural resources. They don't want to have to go north of the Hokkaido and come all the way around. They, they like stability out here, too, because, quite frankly, Russia's a two-pronged power. They're, they're, Eastern, they're, they're a power in the, uh, in the east and then they're a power in the West, in other words. And what I mean by that is really they are, they are, the country is so large that Vladivostok is its own defense area. And, of course, Moscow, you know, going into Europe is its own defense area. Vladivostok, is, is, they just don't have it. You know what I'm saying? In other words, like to, to fight out here is, you know, they're really very much not a powerful nation in the West. I mean, in the East. Right. And I think that Russian paranoia, which, you know, well deserved, if you look at the natural resources, just look at the immense amount of fresh water in Lake Baikal uh, that the Chinese probably would like to get their hands on. So some paranoia is good. And there's some theory that that's one reason why Russia cheated on the INF Treaty uh, is that they, they need those intermediate nukes. They need hypersonics. They need to stay competitive with China in that field yeah. because that's what they use. That's about all the time we have for this episode of Simon and White. But come back. We'll have a new episode really soon. Thanks for listening.